Well, happy Palm Sunday and happy Holy Week. This is a big week for uh, those of us who are followers of Christ. Um, you know, today is the day Jesus entered Jerusalem as king and they, they sang Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Lord. Do you know what Hosanna means? It means save us, save us, save us. And it's just a beautiful thing. And then this Friday is um, Good Friday and it's only good because it provided us access to God. It is only good because God chose to suffer for us. And this Friday, we are going to be um, celebrating the wrong word, uh, remembering the, the cross. But we're not going to do it just us. Actually, it's going to be a combined Spanish and English service as we, as we remember what Jesus did for us on Good Friday. And then next week, Next Sunday is Easter Sunday where he rose again. Everything that we believe as followers of Jesus, everything in Christianity hinges on this week, Holy Week. It's a big deal. Everything. The fact that we can love God and love people with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength is made possible because of this week. Our mission to, to go into all the world sharing life teaching people how to follow Jesus, lifting the name of Jesus, help, help reaching people and growing people. It's because of this week that we can do that. So, amen. So next Sunday on Easter, as we come together, we're gonna celebrate the resurrection because that's what we do and that's exciting. But you know, there's a lot of people in our community, a lot of people who live, you know, within just a, a couple of steps of these doors. They don't normally go to church. Yet next Sunday... They're going to be a little more open than, than they have in the past uh, during the rest of the week, the rest of the year. You know, there's a lot of people who they would probably be willing. They're probably interested in being a part of a church next Sunday. They just have no idea where to go. They have no idea. Some are going to try to find a place. But a lot of those people are going to give up because they just can't get good information. You know, Google and Yelp can help us find a good restaurant. But it's really hard to find a good church on Google and Yelp. And so where do people go to get good information about the, a, a church to attend, a church to be a part of? To, where do they go? They go to you. Or they go to 88.3. Thank you for the commercial. <laughs> well, that's funny. I don't, even, I don't even know what to say. I've never heard 88.3 right before Easter because we didn't live here last year. So, but yeah. Okay, so either go to 88.3 or... They go to you. They go to you. You are their Google. You are their Yelp. You are the five-star review that people want. They, they want to get good information. They don't know if they can trust a place. They, they, we live in a, in a crazy world. And they're, they're wondering, is this church or that church a great place to take their family on Easter? And you are their five-star review. You get to invite them. You get to invite them to join you, not just to attend a church, but to join you to explore this, this unexpected, amazing, paradigm-shifting journey of what it means to follow Jesus. So I read a story of, um, that I wanted to share with you. It was about a Muslim who lived in the Deep South. He made his living in sales, and being a Muslim in a southern city, you can imagine it wasn't always easy, especially in um, social settings. 
And the, the man said that he, he was always invited to cocktail parties with, with a bunch of salespeople or clients, and so he would go. But he always said after making the business context and shaking all the hands and, you know, working the room for a few minutes, he always ended up standing all by himself on the side of the room while watching everybody else talk together. And he always said he just, you know, politely waited until it felt right to make an exit. He had just stayed long enough. At one of these parties, he was standing by himself when he saw a man talking to a group of his friends, people who were his kind, and the man looked over at the Muslim with interest. He excused himself from his conversation. He walked across the room, stuck out his hand, and introduced himself. They started talking, and they talked for a little while. Of course, they talked about work and sales and how things were going. Then they started talking about family and sports and things of interest. But eventually, the conversation came back around to religion. And the Muslim man assumed that the conversation would quickly end when he shared his faith. But he took the risk and he told the man he was a practicing Muslim. And to his surprise, the guy said, well, I'm a Christian, but truth be told, I don't know anything about Islam. Hey, I wonder, would you do the courtesy, maybe over breakfast sometime, of, of getting together and giving me kind of the, the Cliff Notes version of your faith system, you know, like why you chose Islam and why you continue in Islam? Your, your story, the Christian said, honestly, it'd be kind of interesting to me. And the Muslim man, as you can imagine, was stunned. This had never happened to him. He didn't know what to do. I mean, at first he was skeptical. What, what is the guy, what is his real motive? But he was hopeful also. I mean, maybe, maybe there really was somebody who was interested in him. So the two men agreed to do breakfast and uh, the conversation was incredible. The Christian asked a lot of questions about Islam and what it was like to live in America as a Muslim. And as he listened, the, Mus the Muslim just shared his story and shared his life and shared all about his struggles and, and, and everything. And that meeting led to another meeting the following week and then another after that. And over the weeks, these two men became very good friends, all because a follower of Jesus took an interest in somebody who was very different than him. He was willing to walk across the room and start a conversation. He never, he never made the, the Muslim feel judged or inferior. He just listened. He was genuinely interested in the Muslim story. The story that I was reading, it was, it was written from this Muslim man. He's the guy who was sharing a story. And he said that at some point during one of the breakfasts, he felt safe enough to say, you know, you've been a good listener to me all this time would you be willing to refresh my memory on the Christian faith? And so that started a new conversation. And over the next couple of months, they discussed their beliefs and they compared their faith systems as friends. It was hard to tell when, but at some point, the Muslim became convinced of the claims of Christianity and that they were really true. And in one of those breakfasts, he prayed right there and he committed his life to Jesus Christ. And within a short time, the, the change in his life was so indescribable that his family soon became followers of Jesus as well. It's a true story. I, I always say it's not one of those preacher stories. This is a real one. Um, this is a story about a guy who was sharing his testimony. And what's interesting to me is the story started out so normal because you have somebody who is, who is new, who is different, who doesn't really fit in and they feel alone. 
And through no ill intent of anybody around him, they go unnoticed. Nobody was trying to ignore him. It's just he would stand in the corner and everybody had their circles and they were talking. And so he, would, he just sat there like most stories like this, worry, being worried about not being accepted, about being judged. Yet different than most stories like this, there was a turn of events. Because somebody was looking. Someone did notice that person. And as much as that man enjoyed being in his circle of friends, talking and having a great time, he recognized an opportunity to serve somebody else, to love somebody else, to help somebody who was alone feel welcome, accepted, and loved, and to be available for God to do whatever he might want to do in this situation. And in this case, not every case, but in this case, it didn't just change a man's life. It changed the trajectory of a whole family. Today, in, in this message, my hope is that God would open all of our eyes to the many ways that we get to join him, to participate with him in what he is already doing. My prayer is that, that we will see ways that we can be an influence in other people's lives. And I pray deeply that God will give us this unquenchable desire to pursue his vision for each of our lives. I mean, to use our lives right where they are in the everyday, that, that God would overflow this vision that is unpredictable and mysterious and faith-inspiring, that creates stories of God working in and through you every day. See, I believe that God wants to change the way we see the world around us to change our definition of success and achievement. I believe that God is wanting to create a passion in us for what he is doing right now in the world around us that we don't even know is happening, that, that he would create in us this desire to join him in what he is already doing, to inspire us to see that there is nothing greater, nothing more rewarding than to invest our one and only life for the cause of knowing him and making him known changes everything. We will never be disappointed. See, I believe that, that where you work is not just a place that you go each day to earn money. I really believe that where you work, whether you like it or not, whether you love going in or you hate going in, that where you work is a holy place that, where God wants to use you in the lives of those you work with. I really believe that. I believe that your neighbor, whether, whether they're a good neighbor or not, I believe that your neighbor is someone who God loves, God is pursuing, and he wants to use you as his hands and feet in their lives. I really believe that. And since God, uh, so, well, since following Jesus means that we need to become more and more like Jesus, Today we're going to look at, at, at one story of what he was like, how he treated people who were far from God. And I, honestly, as I began studying for today, there was like so many stories to choose from uh, where Jesus was dealing with, with outsiders. And um, it, was, it was a tough pick. And so today we're going to look at a story, though, that is in Luke 5 that happened at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. At this point, he had just invited his first disciples to leave everything and follow him. And one of these new disciples, his name was Levi. His name was Levi. And this is what Luke records. It says, Luke 5, ch uh, chapter 5, verse 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. 
So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Verse 29, then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. Now, you need to understand something. Tax collectors in the first century were hated. They always collected more taxes than what were required, and they, got, they just pocketed the difference. So they got, they got fairly wealthy based on taking advantage of other people. But Jewish tax collectors, ah, they were despised even more because they were traitors. How dare a Jewish person help the Roman Empire? They are the enemy. And so they were despised more than anybody. So when, when Levi chose to follow Jesus, he was giving up a lot. Because he was joining a group of people that probably didn't, he wouldn't have thought liked him. He was losing a very, very lucrative salary. He was giving up a lot. He was trading such a good salary to do what? To wander around, kind of homeless, following Jesus. The only thing stranger than a tax collector following a rabbi was that a rabbi would ever even consider inviting a tax collector to follow them. I mean, it was just bizarre. It was not the norm. But isn't that the way Jesus was? You know, he was always doing things a little bit different. Jesus walked across the room. He initiated a relationship. And he invited Levi to follow him right where he was. I mean, leave the tax. Come on. Come right now. And for Levi, it changed everything. His life would change. His purpose would change. His direction would change. Everything was changed. And he developed a passion for God and a passion to help others find life in God. And Luke records that the first thing Levi did when he was called by Jesus was what? Throw a party. Isn't that a great, I mean, I love that. The first, Jesus says, follow me. Matthew's like, I'm in. Let's have a party. And so they do. They have a party for all of his friends. And verse 29 says that it was a great banquet at, at Levi's house. Large crowd of tax collectors and others came over and they were eating with them. And, and Levi, he's this brand new follower of Jesus and he didn't have it all together and he didn't know a whole lot. He just wanted to introduce his friends to Jesus and those who followed him. Because Levi figured that if he got some of his fr old friends with Jesus and some of his new friends, who knows what could happen. This is so exciting and freeing that I don't need to have all the answers. I don't need to have fixed all of the brokenness in my life to be used by God. When we begin following Jesus, he begins a lifelong journey of molding us and shaping us and transforming us to be more and more like Jesus. But we don't have to wait until that's done before we start living it out and talking to people about it. We can do it right where we are. In the midst of the process, God uses us right where we are to bring life to others. See, you're not just an employee. You are not just a businessman. You're not just a stay-at-home mom, and you're not just somebody's neighbor. You are God's instrument to share life in Jesus with others that they might find life. See, your life right now, right where you are, God wants to take that and make it incredibly special and eternally beneficial. God wants to use you right now. You're his ambassador, filled with his spirit. And he wants to use you to make his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. 
in their life, in your life, he wants to change our lives, to take the normal every day of lives of those who follow him and infuse them with purpose for his glory and it will change everything. Now, we know it's God who changes lives, right? I mean, we can't change anybody's life. I can't even get my kids to obey me half the time, so there's no way I can change anybody's life. But so we know only God can change a life, right? Only God can do it. But we still do have a responsibility in the process. We have a responsibility to participate, to say yes to whatever he asks. Our responsibility is to pray and seek God and learn how to listen to his spirit, to open our eyes to what he is doing right now in the world around us and to participate with him in the lives of others. See, our responsibility is to live a life of intention. Look at the rest of the story. Verse 30 says, The Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Nobody good eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners. They're tax collectors and sinners. What are you doing? And Jesus answered them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, I need to give you a little bit of uh, background on this because the Pharisees, they knew their Bible. They knew the Psalms well. And they knew that in Psalm, what we, we call Psalm 14, they knew that it said that no one is righteous before God. There is no one righteous. So Jesus says, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And they knew he was saying, nobody's righteous. I didn't call, come to call righteous people. I came to call sinners. And he's referring to everybody as a sinner. Because Jesus said he came for the sick. We're all sick. Jesus said he came for sinners. That's us too. Jesus said that he didn't come for people who were already cleaned up because nobody is. Nobody's cleaned up already. He came to save us right in the middle of our mess. Right in the middle of our mess. That's where he came. We're all tax collectors and sinners. Yet, in Jesus... We are also people who, I wish it wasn't as slow as it is, but we are people who are slowly being transformed more and more to look like Jesus. Followers of Christ have the Spirit working in them, transforming them, and slowly making them look more and more like Jesus. Hallelujah. He is working in us. So, yes, we're tax collectors and sinners, but we're more. We're tax collectors and sinners who are becoming transformed into the image of Christ. Day by day, week by week, it is a slow process, but he's doing it. If Jesus is passionate about sinners and tax collectors, Avalon Church, I think that we, we should probably be passionate about them too. Sharing his light in the darkness. See, Levi walked with Jesus as one of the twelve. He saw Jesus' passion for tax collectors and sinners. And years later, Levi wrote a book. Anybody know what that book is? Yeah, the Gospel of Matthew. Levi was his Jewish name. But he was called Matthew later on as he wrote the book. And in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, he records what Jesus says about how we are to live among others. And, and he quotes Jesus saying this, Matthew 5, uh, chapter 5, verse 14. He says, you are the light of the world. He explains what light, how important light is. And then he says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds, the way you live your life, the way you act, the way you 
you, you spend time with your family, the way you act at work, the way you are a neighbor, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus said that you and me, we are light in the darkness. And when people are feeling isolated and judged, when they're standing alone, just trying to wait for the right time to leave, you are the light that God wants to use in their lives. So the question is, are your eyes open? Are you aware of what's happening around you? Are you willing to walk across the room? You might be the only picture that some people see of Jesus. Are you available to be seen? See, no matter what our lives are like, God desires to use our story for his life-giving purpose. So, you know, as a result, our job becomes more than just making money. Our job becomes more than just giving us some purpose and helping us climb the ladder to success. The cranky neighbor who never cleans up their dog's poo in your yard, yeah, we all have that neighbor, you know, they're not just a nuisance. The new family visiting Avalon Church who's standing in the lobby wondering what to do and where to go, they're not just another visitor. See, these people are people that God is drawing to himself because I believe that God is drawing everybody. He is, he, there's this conversation he has in the lives of people, taking them one step closer, drawing them to himself, and he is drawing. And when we get a chance to be a part of that, God gets to show his love through us. I believe these are divine appointments. I believe your neighbor, I believe that the visitor, I believe that your coworkers and your family, when you are with them, these are divine appointments. These, these are God moments. And like Levi, the single greatest gift that we can offer people is an introduction to Jesus. But it's not usually a quick process. It's about long-term relationships. It's about serving others and allowing them to serve you. It's about trusting one another, doing life together. It's about asking questions and more importantly than talking, listening to people, praying for them and listening to those quiet promptings of the Holy Spirit. God is inviting us on a journey. It might be a slow, long journey, but it is a beautiful, eternal journey of helping people find life. And when you get to be a part of, of people finding life, it changes everything. Did you see those faces of the people who went from here to Mexico? I mean, did you see a frown? They, were, they, they did not eat the way they did here. I'm sure that they loved Mexican food for the first three or four days, but after that, it was like, I think we're done. I think we're done. Love a steak, thank you very much. You know, I'm sure that the bathroom facilities were not what they were used to. I'm sure that it was hotter than they're used to. I'm sure there were some uncomfortable situations. But you know what I heard from several of them today as I asked, how was it? I wish I could move there. How is that possible? We have every comfort, every convenience right here. Yet those people said, I would want to move there. Why? Because doing what God wants you to do and being a part of what God is doing in people's lives, there's nothing greater. There's nothing greater. Your job, you might get the promotion, you might get the raise, you might get the bonus, and it might satisfy for just a little bit, but nothing compares to what, being a part of God doing something to change somebody's life, to change their eternity forever. It's a beautiful thing. Next week is Easter Sunday. 
the message is going to be on the hope we have in Christ's resurrection, that it gives us hope. And some hearts are going to be ready. Some people will choose to follow Jesus next week. I have no doubt. But for others, they're just beginning the journey. Trust needs to be earned. You know, you know this. We are this sometimes. Some people have been hurt by the church pretty bad. Maybe, you know, it was a church from their childhood or just they got taken advantage of or whatever. Some people have experienced tragedy. It's created this deep doubt in them, and and frankly, they just, their soul hasn't mended enough, and it's going to take a while. Some have received hollow answers their whole life to very complicated questions. So it might take a while for some people to recognize a a healthy and compelling picture of what it means to follow Jesus. Some people, it's going to take a while for them to make that decision to follow Jesus, but we need to be ready for them. We need to be available for them. We must be willing to walk with them. See, when people decide to leave their comfortable living rooms and get in a car to visit our church family, these people are not just our guests. They're Jesus' guests. They are. They're Jesus' guests. These are divine appointments. We have to do everything possible to make them feel welcome and loved. I've said it a million times in my life. I want people, nothing should offend people about church except the gospel. Because the gospel, it can be offensive. It, it, It reveals who we are. We're sinners before God. But it also reveals the love of God that he said, I'm willing to to go right where you are, to become a human and die for you. But it can be an offensive message. Nothing should offend them outside of the message. We should be smiles in the lobby. We should help them. We should have good signs. We should have all of this stuff to help people feel comfortable. When people drive onto our property next week, we want them to feel welcome. We want them to feel comfortable. Honestly, we want to give them the best parking spots possible. That's why we need people to serve. And you can see where I'm going, the application. We need people to serve in the parking, in the parking lot, helping direct traffic. Church, I need, if you can walk well, if you can, if, if a walk's not that big of a deal for you, I would really encourage you, would you park at Avalon? If, on, on that connection card, there's a spot at the bottom that says, I'd like information about serving. And scratch out the I'd like information and just put I'm willing to um, serve this week. But if you're interested in being, helping with parking, would you let us know? I will send you to that, I'll send your name to that team leader and they'll just tell you, you know, which service, how, I don't know how it's going to work. But we need you. And as people enter the building, we need greeters who can't help but smile and make them feel loved and welcomed and say, we are glad you are here. See, the greeter team is one of the most important teams on a Sunday morning because you set the mood as people walk in. You know, for some of you, smiles are natural. You can't help smile. You need to be on the greeter team. But I want to encourage all of you, fake it if you have to, but smile. (laughs) Keep your eye out for people who are standing there lost. You know, if there's that person standing alone, drinking their coffee, and they're just standing there, go up and introduce yourself and say hi. If there's that, sink, that, that, that mom who's with her kids and she's walking around like, where do I take the kids area? Because I will tell you, you bring your kids into the lobby and you're like, where do I bring my, where do I take the kids? And you don't know that it's around back. And help them, walk with them, guide them. Because when people choose to come to the church, 
they are Jesus' guests. We're, we want ushers to help people as the room gets full find seats. We want people to feel comfortable, never feeling like they, they look kind of like an idiot, you know what I mean? When you walk in and you go down to here, you think there's a seat, and then you're like, dang it, they're all saved, and then you're going back, and now you're looking at everybody. You know, and you feel stupid. Everybody else, nobody else is noticing you, but you feel like, oh, I hate not knowing what's going on. So we want ushers to help people find seats. We want the smell of coffee to waft through the lobby because you know it's true. You can have a bad day. Things are just going terrible. And then you get a cup of coffee and it's like, everything's bearable now. <laughs> everything's okay. And so that's why we have coffee and snacks and we need people to help. You know, Easter, we, I've told you this a couple weeks ago, but we're, we're forming these teams because we want this to be kind of a common thing where, where we have lots of people serving and that guests can even plug in and serve. And, um, and, and we want it to be, be like that. And so we want lots of people. But on Easter, that's a different ballgame. Because next week, we're going to probably have double what we normally have, and it's going to be a lot. So if you are willing and you are able, we would really ask you to, um, to be a part. I want to tell you a real quick story, one of my favorites. We started a church in 2003 in Lakeland, Florida. We were meeting in a high school. You know, we had prepped for about six months. It was great. We were excited. Launch day happened, and we had a ridiculous number of people come. We had no idea that, that we, had, we would have that many people come on that day. And so we were, like, desperate because we had, like, one or two greeters, and we had one or two people set up. And so we were, like, pulling people, can you smile? Yes, you're a greeter. I mean, it was like that. We had this one guy come, and, you know, we were, a, we were kind of a, a, a casual church, and he came in a suit because he didn't know. He had got the postcard in the mail. And so he comes, and he came an hour early, and he's like, oh, uh, what can I do to help? So we're like, would you mind handing out bulletins and, and greeting at the door? And he was like, I would love to do that. I loved it because the first, he, he gets in a station, and he's at the door. He opens the door. As somebody comes in, he hands them a bulletin, and he goes, Good morning. Welcome to, and he looks at me and goes, what's the name of our church? <laughs> and I was like, this is the greatest day of my entire life. <laughs> Who does that? It was so beautiful that somebody, I mean, he didn't even know the name of our church and he was already being a part of our family. Beautiful. That's what we want. We want to be that kind of place where Everybody has a place. Everybody is welcome. We're just glad you're here and we're glad you're a part of our family and we can move forward together. Because who knows? There might be that moment like with that Muslim man where all of this stuff starts coming together and starts making a little bit more sense and somebody says, I think this stuff might be true. I think maybe I should follow Jesus. Because we all know when that happens, it's the greatest transformation, the greatest thing that could ever happen in their lives. We get to be a part of that. I wanted to let you know, every morning, you know, uh, our greeter, uh, which Diana did a great job today in sharing about uh, the receptacles, which just cracked me up uh, on the four areas. But when people fill out that connection card and a guest says, I'm a first-time guest, I wanted you to know. Every first-time guest, um, they get an email from me, but they also get a handwritten note from a team in, uh, called the welcome team in our church. Why do we do that? Because we want them to know they are welcome in this place. We want them to feel honored in this place. We want them to know that this is a safe place to discover God, to ask questions without being judged. This is a safe place. See, I believe 
I believe that one of the blessings of this, this transition we've had this past year, which has been tough, and we talked about that several times, but I believe one of the blessings that can come from this transition is that we get to experience as a church a taste of what new people experience. Because we're a little uncomfortable right now. You're getting to know me. Everything kind of feels a little different. We're all a little uncomfortable. That is exactly what the people who visit here feel like for a while. Maybe, just maybe, God, can, God wants to use the uncomfort that we feel to help us to become a, a church that is incredibly welcoming because we know how it feels, that is incredibly loving because we know how it feels when things don't quite feel comfortable. I don't know, but I just know this. It's just like our God to use discomfort for good. It's just like our God to take something that we don't like and to bring beauty from it that could have never happened had we not gone through the discomfort. Avalon Church, you have hung through some tremendous change. You have. You have hung in there. Don't lose heart. I believe it's going to get real good soon. I do. I do. You know, the band's going to come out, um, and uh, we're going to go into a time of closing. But I wanted to give you a challenge. Um, I ask, who has God placed in your life that you could ask to join you next Easter? You know, everybody got one of these invitation cards when they came in today. Who can you invite? Who can you begin right now praying for specifically? Somebody in your circle of influence that you can invite and say, I'm not inviting you to church. I'm inviting you to join my family on Easter Sunday. Maybe even to go out to lunch afterwards if possible. Who can you give this to? And, and then after Easter, all of April, we're going to be in a series that you and guests, I believe, will love very much. It's, it's a series called Staying in Love. It's designed for singles and marrieds who want to develop the kind of love that lasts forever, that lasts a lifetime. And it's a series I believe you'll be very glad you invited others to. So who, who could you invite? But one final action step, if you don't mind. Would you pray for next Sunday? Would you pray that God, even right now, is drawing people to himself, preparing their hearts for when they come? Would you pray that God provides the workers for all of the things that need to happen next week? And would you pray and ask God, could I, should I be one of those workers? Pray that God opens hearts and pray that God opens eyes, your eyes and my eyes, to people who are, that we can walk across the room to, people that we can walk across the yard or the office, people that we can go to in the lobby to offer the gift that God has given us, which is our lives and his. We have an amazing gift to offer people. Do you realize that we have the opportunity to have a relationship with the one who created us? But even when we ran away, he continued pursuing us to the point where he was willing to sacrifice his own life and die for us and to offer us life because of his resurrection. I mean, that is an incredible story. We get to be a part of that. Let's pray. Oh God, thank you. Thank you that you have done everything necessary to make us right with you. You are worthy of our whole lives. You are, 
You are so amazing, though, that you ask us, you invite us to join you in what you're doing. God, I pray that you help us to become a church that joins you passionately, not just to grow ourselves, not just, not just to know you more only. That is, that is just one of the greatest gifts we could ever have, and thank you. But God, it's more than that. You've called us with a purpose to know you and make you known. Help us to make you known, Lord. Help us to, our eyes to be open to those around us that desperately need you, to see people not as a nuisance or not somebody just that we have to deal with, but as somebody whom you love and you are pursuing and you are drawing to yourself. I pray for Easter, God, that you will help that day see many, many people choose to follow you. What a privilege, Lord. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.